Well, good morning. morning. So we're in the final week of our sermon series at the table. Um, You know, we've talked about food. You know, you you think about the table, you got to have food. And we looked at how food is in the beginning in Genesis and also in Revelation. We kind of looked at the excuses we all make for not going to the table. You know, that excuse for, oh, I'd really like to do it, but something important came up. And we all have these unfortunately lame excuses that we'll use to to not go to the table. And then last week, we really looked at how, you know, us as humans, as people, we have two primary needs. We have a need to eat and we have a need for fellowship, which both of these are centered around the table where we take that time to come to the table and we have that food and we have that fellowship and we can work on our relationships at the table. And, you know, I figured it'd only be fitting if we're talking about at the table an entire series that we can't do a series called at the table without talking about the most important table. And that is the communion table. The communion table where we come together, we partake in the Lord's Supper and and understand this is something they have been doing since the night before Jesus was betrayed. It was instituted by Jesus and the Christian church. There's two things that we've always kept and that we've always done. Taking the time for communion and for baptism. You see, these are both signs that when we do them, it's a it brings us together. It brings that unity together. It brings us together as a church because this is what Jesus told us to do. This is what we've been called to do. So we take this time in communion and doing the Lord's Supper, and we also take time in ensuring that we celebrate baptisms. And the thing I, the big idea of today is understanding that the practice of gathering around the table for communion, it is a symbol just of that, of our unity, and it's a reminder of Christ's sacrifice. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us, and we need to understand that the most intimate meal we will ever share together is around the communion table. It's the most intimate meal we will ever share together. And I think it unites us between our confession and our need for our Savior. And it brings us as brothers and sisters to Christ. Um, It's where they can find our home. We can find that peace that only comes through him. So we're going to be digging right in. And I kind of figure if we're going to talk about communion table, we need to look at some verses that talk about communion. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Um, as a reminder, if you're watching online, uh, this, it'll be online with us also. And if you're inside the room, it will be up here on the screen so you can still see it. So with that being said, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 30. Now, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Indeed, it is necessary that there be factions among you, 
so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. When you come together then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at the meal each one eats his own supper. So, so one person is hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat or drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you in this matter. For I received from the Lord Jesus what I passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, to, and said this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we... Oh, amen. <laughs> wow. I was going to keep reading. So, as we dig in today, Lord, Lord, open up our eyes. Open up our eyes that we can see what it is you want us to see. Lord, I ask you that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you have us to receive. And Lord, as we look at your communion table and, and what you've called us to do, that you will touch our hearts in a way we've never been touched before. And Lord, may my words be your words and may your name be glorified and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. That was such a good, I wanted to keep reading. <laughs> One of the things with communion is we need to remember ever since the early church has been meeting secretly inside homes so that they wouldn't, you know, they, they were hiding their religion. They were afraid of of being beaten. They were afraid of being persecuted. The whole time, the one thing they continued to do was partake in communion. They, they took in communion and, and they had a communion service when they came together. And, and this one event had so much meaning. And, and you think about when, when we do communion, it is something that has so much meaning to it. And, and it's something that we should humble ourselves that we get the, the ability to present the gospel of Jesus Christ through the communion service. And unfortunately, I think over time, what happens is it becomes too routine for people. You know, oh, it's communion. We do it every couple months. God bless you. And for some, it's, oh, well, we do communion every week. And, and it just becomes this thing that you do, and, and the celebration of communion becomes too commonplace instead of what it's actually supposed to be. And, and I think the reality is so much more than what we tend to take it to be sometimes, because it kind of becomes routine. It be, kind of becomes, you know, 
oh, it's Communion Sunday. I'm going to go to church on Communion Sunday. I may not go the rest of the time to church, but I'll be there for Communion. And it's something that's taken so out of context. And understand this, there's nothing in Communion that will save you. There's no saving power in Communion whatsoever. We do it for remembrance of him. And, you know, in the early church, the Apostle Paul in these first verses, he's really getting on the Corinthian church for what they were doing. Because, see, communion was always brought around a love meal or what they called the agape feast or agape meal. So it was a love feast. It was a time they came together and they would show love for each other. And while they were showing that love for one another, they would end the meal by taking communion by doing the Lord's Supper, and by doing what they, they've been called to do. But unfortunately, it, didn't, it turned to be, instead of being about Jesus, it turned to be about selfishness. You see, it talks about you know, people getting there early and eating all the food so that others couldn't eat. It was looking at who's got the most money, who's rich and who's poor. It became about all these other things about people instead of what the Lord called it to be. And instead of what we should actually do. And I think this common, you know, the, this time of when we take communion should be exactly what it should be. It doesn't matter what a church has always done. It doesn't matter if this is how you've always done it. It doesn't matter if it's has something to do with a man-made tradition. Communion is about one person and one person only, and that person is not you and it's not me. It's about Jesus, period. It is about Jesus. It's about remembering his sacrifice, remembering what he's done in our lives for us, remembering what he did in that garden tomb for us. It's not about anything else. And, and, and as we're going to take in, we're going to actually do communion at the end of the service today. But I want to take some time first and break down this scripture. I want to take time and really dig into what communion, communion is compared to what it is not. What it really should be compared to what we have made it. Because unfortunately through traditions and, and through things that we've done inside the church for years and years, I think we lose what communion is really about. I think we kind of lose touch on what it's supposed to be. And understand, you know, it's called many things. It's Lord's Supper, it's communion. Some people still call it the Eucharist, but it's all the same thing. And it's about remembering what Jesus did for us. And one of the first things you see in verses 23 through 25 is that it is a time to remember. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So it's this time to remember what Jesus has done for us. It's not about any sacrifice that we might have made. It's about his sacrifice. The one and only sacrifice we needed for the forgiveness of our sins is what this is about. It's not about any of us and we're to go back and we need to remember what he did for us. It should stir inside of us to relive what Jesus did in his life, what he did on the cross, and what he did through his resurrection for us. It should stir us to remember that, that he left heaven 
to take on a human body. He did that for us. He was poor that we'd be rich. He bore our sins on the cross. He bore our sins for us on that cross. He took our place at Calvary, a place where we should have been. He was there for us instead. He conquered death forever. And he's ascended to be at the right hand of God to be our savior, to be our high priest, to be the one that stands as an advocate for us between God and because of our sinful nature. It's a time that we need to remember him, remember who he is. And then it's a time that we need to really think about what he's done for us. As we remember what he's done, how did it affect us? How, how did it affect his sacrifices affect us? You know, we, we're quick to say Jesus died for sinners. What does that really mean to you? Do you really understand that you are a sinner? That he really did die for you. It's not just words that we say. It's not just something we do. It's that reality. And do you ever think about him really dying for you? You know, we'll be real quick to think about, well, Jesus died for that person. Well, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for every sin you ever committed, every sin you're ever going to commit. But so many times we, we don't look at ourselves or, or think about how it affects us in our own way. You think about when, when, you, when you think about the time of communion, does your heart just get filled with that time of wanting to worship, that time of wanting to be close to him, that time of wanting to remember the sacrifice that he made for you in your life? It's every time for us not only to remember what he has done, but as individuals to remember what he's done in our life. Remembering who you used to be. Remembering that sinful nature you had. The sin that he's taken away from you. That you can now seek to glorify him and remember, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Not only done on that cross for everyone, but what you, he's done for you as an individual. When we start looking inside of what he's done for us on a personal level, it makes us want to worship him that much more. It makes partaking in the communion meal that much more because it now has become personal. And it should be a special time between you and Jesus. It's also this time when as we partake in the Lord's Supper and communion, we're identifying ourselves as Christ followers. We're identifying ourselves by, by taking the body and taking the blood of Jesus Christ and, and taking it in. We're identifying ourselves as believers because non-believers should never partake in the Lord's Supper. It is a, something that you do after you've accepted Jesus because remember, it has no saving power in it whatsoever. It's a reminder of his death, his resurrection, and what he's done in our life. And we get to identify with him through taking the time of communion, through taking that time of doing what he has called us to do. And understand that the world may say we're kind of foolish. 
The world may say we use Jesus as a crutch. Oh, you identify as a Christ follower. That's just a crutch for you in this world. We need to remember that we've been saved by grace and we need to boldly, boldly identify with Jesus. Bible reminds us that we should never ever be ashamed of being a Christ follower. In Romans 10, 9, and 11, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. We need to stand boldly in a world that calls us fools, in a world that tells us we're clutching onto something, we're, we're reading this history book and we shouldn't believe it. We believe in Jesus because of what he's done in our life. And when we can sit there and tell someone, well, hey, you may not believe, but let me show you what he's done for me. Let me show you where I was. Let me show you what he's done. And, and you take that remembrance of who he is, you take it back to what he's done for you, and then that's your identity. As a Christian, we're Christians. Why? Because we are followers of Christ, and we need to be bold in what we do. I think it's a time of declaration. As we celebrate, we declare his death and resurrection from the cross. We make that declaration, and we look to understand that it's because of his death and his resurrection that we're able to live this life that we have. And because of that, we're able to partake in communion and look to him for everything he's done. And as we declare him as our Lord, we can move forward in living our life. And I think as with the whole communion meal, like I said, it's a great way for us to present the gospel to people. Because what a better way to present that Jesus died for sinners than by partaking in communion. By letting them understand that the night before he was betrayed, this is a meal that he set aside and to this day, we still do it. And we do it because he did what he said he was going to do. He did what he said he was going to do so we can present that gospel to people just through partaking in the Lord's Supper. And I want you to understand, unfortunately, you know, in a lot of churches today, they become very seeker friendly and they'll kind of wash away what the gospel says. You know, it's not, oh, you can get saved, but not by grace alone. Or they come up with all these different things to make it hip. I'm not about being hip. I'm about preaching God's word. And I want, I'll declare to you, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I will preach all of his word. Because heaven is real, and so is hell. And there are people who are going to spend eternity in hell. And they're going to spend eternity in hell because they're going to get caught up in something that was fake. And I would rather preach God's word to a few than take a whole bunch of people to hell with me for not preaching his word. And that's exactly what we need to do in this life. And that's exactly the, how we should walk and talk in this world. 
It's not about downplaying what Jesus has done. Jesus performed the greatest miracle ever. He died on a cross for us, rose again, was seen by all kinds of people. We know he's up there. And guess what? He said he's coming back. And we can live out each day knowing he's coming back. And if someone don't believe it, hey, don't believe it. Guess what? Hell is real. Hell is a real place. It's going to be the day of the rapture. I've said before, there'll be preachers in the pulpit. There'll be people in the pews. And they'll be wondering what happened and looking around because they played church and they played Christian instead of doing what God's word calls us to do. So I want to encourage you as we take this declaration of being who he is and what he called us to be, be bold. Be bold in what you do and be expectant. As I said, Jesus said he's coming back. As we partake in communion, we're supposed to do this with the expectation upon his return, knowing that one day he's going to return, knowing that one day he will return and all of his followers he will take to heaven with him. And sometimes I just wish that day was like now. The way the world's going today, the way life goes, you know, like Jesus, I, I, I read the book of Revelation. I see it play out in front of my eyes in the news every night. Come back, Jesus. I, I'm waiting expectantly. I'm one of these days, and I know many of us have heard it through every generation. Oh, he's coming back. Heard it in the 50s. Heard it in the 60s. Heard it in the 70s and the 80s. You look at the world today, and you're like, man, he's got to be coming back. I think we're like in chapter 9 of Revelation. He, he's coming. So we, but we need to be expectant of him. Remember, he said he'll go and prepare a place for us, and he'll come again, and he'll take, he, take us to him. So understand that as communion service, it is that reminder that he is going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to come back in all of his glory for us. Now, the last part of this scripture is something that you guys know I read every time we do communion. And it's that whole self-examination, verses 27 through 31. And I've had someone ask, well, why do you do that, Pastor? Because if you read the full context of all the scripture, you see that we need to do a self-examination. We need to take that time to examine ourselves and look at ourselves and understand that the words that are in here are big. It means a lot when you actually read it. But if you're just glossing over and you're just going through the tradition because, well, this is what we do every couple months. Well, this is what we do every Sunday. You seem to forget what you're actually doing it for or why you're doing it. Communion service is a time of reflection and worship, but it's also this time of self-examination. It's this time for us to look at ourselves and heed these warnings that the Apostle Paul gave us before taking in communion. And there could be many different things. There's a warning for the lost. You know, no one who's not, who has not been saved should take in the Lord's Supper. If you haven't been saved, you don't take it. There's, you, know, you, just, you don't take the Lord's Supper. You're doing it as a remembrance of what he's done in your life. And if you've never accepted him, then how do you know what he's done in your life? So a non-believer should never take communion. It's a warning to someone who's backsliding. 
Understand when you come to the Lord's table and we have sin in our lives and we don't make that right, right with God and we don't open up our, our life to God and open up to, hey, I've got this sin on my heart and I'm not confessing it. And then you come up and take communion. You're asking for God's judgment. You're asking for his judgment. If you've got a sin in your life and you haven't given it back to God and you partake in communion, you're asking for his judgment. You're asking for him to go ahead and chastise you for not doing what he's called you to do. So warning not to take it lightly. Too often people come to the Lord's table and not take the time to check their own heart for sin because it's become a routine. It's just something we do. People won't come and consider the sacrifice that Jesus made in their life and the redemption that he brought to them. Taking communion is serious. It's something that we shouldn't take lightly. See, too many people go through the emotions and they ignore the emotions. Think about that. We go through the emotions of taking communion, but we ignore the emotions. The emotions that the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Hey, you didn't make it right with this person. Hey, you've got this sin on your life and you're doing this in your life. How are you going to do this? Because, see, we don't listen to the emotions because we just go through the motion of this is what we do. And unfortunately, we do the same thing in life. We, we go through the emotion of life and we go continuing to sin or whatever it may be. And we don't listen to the emotion that the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to back up. Don't do it. Some of us don't even hear the Spirit's voice because the world's too loud in our head. We're too quick just running through barricades to get to that sinful nature because we want it so bad. But then we'll do that Monday through Saturday and come in here on Sunday. Well, hello, pastor. Well, hello, brothers and sisters. Are we taking communion today? Praise the Lord. People will actually come and do that. Do not take it lightly. Do not take it if you're not saved. And if you've got sin on your heart, don't take it. All of these are dangerous and ask for God's judgment. They ask for God's judgment on your life. So when we partake in the Lord's, the Lord's Supper in that manner, I think it degrades the whole celebration and what we're coming to do and that we're coming to honor him. Think about this. If someone were to stomp on an American flag, a lot of people would say, oh, it's just a piece of cloth. But understand, stomping on that American flag is an insult to America. It's an insult to all of those who gave their life for this country. There are people stomping on Jesus' flag all week long, and then they come into church and want to take communion. Think about that. We would get highly upset if someone stomps on an American flag, but someone can be out there sinning each and every day, and we will allow it. We won't say nothing about it. Then they'll come into church. We'll know the sin that they have and they'll come up and they'll take communion and then they wonder why they're sick. They wonder why they're getting judged by God because they're coming in here and they're going through the motions instead of listening to the emotions and doing what God called them to do. And they're dishonoring the communion table. Don't dishonor God 
Paul's warning is very serious for each one of us. It's a serious thing for each one of us. How many people here growing up used to hear their mom, go wash up for supper? How many of us told our kids, go wash up for supper? To me, that's what Jesus is talking to the Apostle Paul for in this, telling us to go wash up for supper. Go wash up before you take the Lord's Supper. You don't want to come to the table with dirty hands. You don't want to come to the table with a dirty heart. You don't want to come to the table with a dirty mind. You want to wash up before you come to the communion table and take the Lord's Supper. And that's what that self-examination is. It's that washing up, making it right between you and God or you and someone else before you come and take communion. It's not just something we do. There's reason behind why we do it. Don't ever forget the reason behind why we take communion and the reason that we take it and what we do it for. Remember, the practice of gathering around the table for communion is a symbol of unity and it's a reminder of Christ's sacrifice. It's a reminder of what Jesus did for us. And it is the most intimate meal we will ever take. It's the most intimate meal we as a community will ever take together. Do you think of it as an intimate meal? Maybe not before today. I want to encourage you. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly at all. And we're going to partake today. So what I'm going to do is ask Craig and Tracy, come on up. And yes, we have real bread and real juice today. No pre-fills. So, so as they pass it out, we'll have some worship time. And once they get done, we're going to do a self-examination. We're going to wash up. We're going to take time to wash up before we take the Lord's Supper. And as they get ready to pass it out, I want you to think about the message. Are you in the right condition for the Lord's Supper today? Are you saved? If not, Remember, today is the day of salvation. And at the close of service today, we will have a chance for you to come up and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Got to ask yourself this question. Is your life pleasing to the Lord? Are there hidden things in your life that need to be dealt with this morning before you take communion? Any problems between you and other believers that need to be resolved? Can you honestly say that your heart and your life are pure? 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 30 say, So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. 
Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. So I want you to take that time and really answer them questions. One, are you saved? If you're not saved, you shouldn't be taking communion. But then the other thing is your heart right with God. Do you have something against another believer? And, and what you want to do at this moment, as close as you can get to being right with God, get right with God. Take that time for that self-examination. Ask for that forgiveness. Ask for him to come into your life. And, and maybe you've got a beef with someone and you've been unable to have that conversation. Ask him to give you that time. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Make time to make it right with a fellow believer. But most importantly, make sure you're right with God. Make sure you're right with God and you're doing this for the right reason, not just because it's something we do. So I'm going to give you a moment to do a self-examination and make sure that your heart is where it needs to be to partake in communion. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, as, as we, we come to partake in communion, Lord, if there's anyone here that their heart is not right, Lord, we ask for, we ask for that forgiveness, that reconciliation, whatever it may be that's got it, their heart wrong, Lord. Lord, that you will bring them in a right relationship with you, that they will seek you and seek to right their wrongs. Lord, that we will come to you with a pure heart, with pure hands and clean hands as we come to remember what you've done, as we declare who you are in our life, and as we remember what you have done in our life. So Lord, as we partake this morning, I ask that you forgive us where we have failed you. And Lord, may you be glorified through it all and make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. On the night Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread. After giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, said, take, eat, all of you, for this is my body, which has been broken for you, the body of Christ broken for you. And likewise, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and again, after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, said, take, drink, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. And Lord, if there's anyone in here today that does not know you, Lord, during this final song, Lord, I ask you to make them make that move and come up here today. Lord, and if they're waiting to get their life together, let them understand that we're all sinners and we all fall short of your glory. And Lord, that your word shows that you loved us enough that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And Lord, your word says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead were saved. 
Lord, we know that's the beginning. If there's someone here today that don't have that relationship with you today, Lord, Lord, that you would bring them forward or have them reach out for church online that they want to come to know you today. And Lord, so that we can take that time to pray with them and for them and invite them to our family. And Lord, if there's anyone here who, who maybe today kind of made them realize they've been doing communion for the wrong reasons, that Lord, that they've made it right with you today. And Lord, that we will never ever forget why we do what we do. Lord, that we do it for you. We do it because of what you did for us. It's not about a tradition. It's not about man-made. It's about you and you alone. So, Lord, may we continue to focus on you throughout this week. And, Lord, may you continue to bless us. May you continue to use us, speaking to us and through us. And, Lord, if there's anyone who just needs to leave it at the altar, let them come to the altar during this final song make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give. Um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church. And especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.